1: Welcome to the Cosmo Happy Hour. It's everything you would talk about with your best friends, from sex to celebrity to entertainment.
2: From the editors of
1: Cosmopolitan.com, this is the Cosmo Happy Hour with Elisa Benson.
2: There are nearly 4 million babies born in the U.S. each year, and none of them are mine. (laughs) Um, But anyway, that means if you don't have one, you definitely know somebody who does. About one in three babies are delivered via C-section, which actually I was. Fun fact about me. Anyway, this isn't about me. And 75% of moms receive epidurals while in labor. You can choose your doctor, you can plan your birthing method, you can even schedule your delivery date, but when it comes down to the moment of truth, the baby is the one calling the shots. So what happens when your delivery doesn't go as planned? I'm Elisa Benson. This is Cosmopolitan.com's Happy Hour podcast. And today we're talking about childbirth. Joining me on the panel from Cosmopolitan.com's sister site, 17.com, is social media editor and a friend of the podcast, Ariel Naji. Hey, girl. Hi. I feel like that was a really formal introduction. Like, we're also friends in real life. And, like, here's my coworker. I know. Friend of the podcast, but also a personal friend. Um, and, Ariel, you're here because you have two children. And I don't think either of them were particularly crazy late experiences. But you tell me. Um, I don't know if I would say like
3: crazy, but they were definitely very interesting and unexpected both times. Oh, what happened? Okay, so like the first time um, I actually didn't officially go into labor. I had to be induced, which, um, you know, just means that it speeds up the labor process.
2: And was that because it was like, they were like, it's late? No,
3: it wasn't late at all. It was actually like two weeks early. But um, one morning, I went to the doctor with my best friend, fun fact. We went to get our nails done, and I was like, come with me to my appointment. And then we get there, and um, my blood pressure started to rise. So they were a little concerned, and it was like going up and down. So they were just like, you know what, go to the hospital just in case. So then on my way to the hospital, I was like, you know what, in case I have this baby, I'm going to get something to eat because I know like the first (laughs) thing I heard was like, you can't eat at all and you'll be in labor for like 15 hours. And I was like, all right, so I got boneless buffalo wings, which was probably not a good idea (laughs) since my blood pressure was apparently kind of high. But when I got there, it was actually more serious than I thought. It was actually really high. And then they diagnosed me with preeclampsia. So they And had were to you at that point me. when you're like
2: getting the buffalo the boneless buffalo wings, <laughs> did you feel okay?
3: Yeah, I felt totally fine. Like when I got to the doctor, they were like, "Do you feel okay?" cuz your bre- your blood pressure seems a little it's like a, a little high. And I was like, "Yeah, I feel great." Um and once I got to the hospital, I still felt fine, but they, you know, when I got there, it had uh, apparently gone like super high, and they were like, "Okay, we have to admit you." Um and it wasn't like necessarily horrifying. Um until like my mom showed up and started making like a big deal because she
2: was so worried because oh, no. apparently it is very dangerous. Um, What's dangerous? The pre pre-clan- What does that mean?
3: Basically, it's like
2: when your like blood something pressure grows your cervix.
3: <laughs> it's when you have high blood pressure, but the thing is, a lot of women have it either throughout pregnancy, I think, or like toward the end. They you know get it a few weeks before, but I had just gotten it like right at right at the end. Um, And so I got there, and I actually was there for like a full 30 hours until they finally were like, okay, we're going to induce you because like the baby has to come out. And then when they induced me, it was like, really really horrible like it was just, like so painful like i just like my contractions were insane so then i was like i need epidural
2: oh my gosh and
3: i mean from there it took another 16 hours and then finally <laughs> ariana was born
2: oh my god ariana <laughs> difficult from the very beginning she was very
3: difficult um <laughs> but i mean i'm just glad because the doctors were so calm about it and i think that's why today the day when i talk about it i i was so calm um but it is a problem that affects a lot of you know pregnant women, and they really don't know the reason for it, which is scary. Like why your blood pressure rises all of a sudden. Um,
2: I didn't realize until I had so many friends. You know, like at this point in my life, in my thirties, like I have so many friends that are have had babies, and like. There are just so many crazy things that happen to your body when you're pregnant. It's because you have this little alien taking up residence inside of you. I remember my former, one of my old bosses, telling me that she had to get off the subway on her way to work because she was just like bleeding from her mouth. Like she had to like get off. So scary. Yeah, she just had to like get off the subway and basically like split spit blood into a trash can and she was totally fine but it was just like one of those things because you have so much extra blood like moving around in your veins or whatever yeah it was just weird because my
3: pregnancy was really healthy the entire time and then all of a sudden I just got preeclampsia and they were just like did you have any issues before and I was like literally none like it was just like
2: great the whole time um, and then when you gave birth to Isaiah, were you, did the fact that this had happened to you with your first kid, did that mean for your second pregnancy you were high risk? Yes, or anything like I that? was
3: considered high risk, which um, made that pregnancy particularly like stressful because I was always like going to a specialist and um, I was fine most of the time. Um, you know, a few times they would send me for extra tests because they found like protein in my urine and stuff like that, which could mean preeclampsia, but ultimately I didn't have it and it was a pretty healthy pregnancy throughout, Um, but it was a very interesting uh, birth experience because that was like the first time I actually Went into labor, so I didn't know what to expect because before I was induced. So, um,
2: I actually, you're reminding me, I remember you saying that in the office yeah. before you gave birth to Isaiah, and you were like, I'm just afraid I'm gonna go into labor and not know it. And we were yeah. all like, How is that possible? You have a kid, but that I was like, sense. I never
3: really felt what it like the beginning stages of it yeah. was like. Um, so basically, with Isaiah, I was in labor and I didn't know it, and like, you know, I was home. You know eating just
2: some boneless, red, like doing rings. whatever,
3: and then I was like, I have these really strong, like, period-like cramps. And then, um, you know, as a few hours passed, you know, I asked my mom to come over, and then she like felt my belly and felt when it was contracting. She's yeah. like, You're having like real contractions, so
2: oh my god, um, and it was like
3: super painful when I got there, they were like. You're six centimeters already. Like if right. you would have waited, you would have had the baby in the toilet. And I was like, oh. I didn't even realize. Oh my god! Like I was in pain, but I thought the pain was supposed to be way worse. Right. So you um, obviously
2: have a very high tolerance. Right. For pain. That's
3: what everyone was saying. They were just like, "You're the happiest like six <laughs> centimeter I've ever seen." Oh my god! And then Isaiah was like literally like the best, like the easiest birth. You know, like I, you know, I took epidural of course because I'm very like pro epidural. I don't want to feel any pain, um, and I really didn't with him. It was way easier, and like he came out a lot faster than ariana did
2: so so two very different experiences (laughs) yes the first
3: time was horrible like i
2: will never ever want to relive that the second time was fine was fine it was funny because right before we started this episode i was like ariel are you excited to talk about you know (laughs) labor and she's like it's better than going through it (laughs) yes it is
3: really like the worst it's the worst
2: (laughs) um can you possibly describe like in one succinct sentence what it feels like um, I think I've said this to you before, but I always say that it
3: feels like you have period cramps, but the period cramps of like every girl in the world. <laughs> like that is what it feels like when you have a contraction and it's like this really like long, It's like this long 10 second period cramp that all of a sudden goes away and then comes back in a few minutes. Oh, my God. I feel like I'm (laughs) having like a phantom
2: cramp just hearing about that. (laughs) So we have a few listeners who have their own childbirth stories to share and they are definitely unconventional. Um, I want to read a letter from our first guest, Claudia, who wrote in to share her story. When I was pregnant with my first child, I wasn't sure if my water had actually broken or not, so my husband and I took our time getting to the hospital. Ariel, I feel like you can relate to this. (laughs) Unfortunately, we live in Los Angeles, and by the time we left home, we were stuck in the middle of rush hour traffic on one of the most congested freeways, I-10. Of course, just my luck, my labor kicked into gear while in the car. Oh it God. got really bad. We had the doctor on the phone walking me through what to do in oh case I delivered in the car. Luckily for me and my car seats, I made it just in time and gave birth at the hospital. When my second child came around, you better believe I was camped out at the hospital before my water even broke. Oh my God, that is so scary. That is every woman's worst I nightmare. know. Oh, my God. I actually... My little sister has a friend that actually did give birth in a car. It was her second kid, and they were on the way to the hospital, and it just, like, happened really fast. And so the 911 operator was, like, walking them through it on the phone. That is so scary. And there was this one moment, like... um something with a they were like I guess to cut the cord is that what happens yeah. they were like you need a string to cut the cord and you know her husband's on the phone with a 911 operator <laughs> like I don't have a string and there's like a pause because you can tell the operator's like reading off a script oh my god he's like so- and the <laughs> operator's like take remove your shoelace and like it's, it's like, like a science fine. book exactly exactly <laughs> um but yeah I think that is every woman's worst nightmare that's is to be in Rue and like and yeah that LA traffic is no joke That's crazy. That is so
3: scary. I mean, I live in New Jersey, so, like, no one cares. I was, like, the... And it was late at night when I went to the hospital, so there was no traffic, but luckily I didn't wait I was like I'm gonna wait until the morning yeah. and like the doctor was like no you would have had that baby like oh my gosh. in the toilet <laughs> oh my gosh
2: Um, but that's like I feel like confirm or deny but I've heard from so many of my friends that they tell you like not to get there too early because like once you well yeah, yeah. well that's the thing with
3: Ariana I got there well I was sent to the hospital and then I waited around for 30 freaking hours yeah, so I like was like I, I don't want to go through that again yeah. like I want to get in there and just give birth but on the phone when I had called the um, the doctor on call, she was just like, This is your second pregnancy. You should always go as soon as you feel anything because, you know, labor happens a lot faster usually after your first baby, which was true for me. But yeah, I was like, I'm not going to the hospital, and then I'm getting sent back. But you know, that's like a dangerous way to think. <laughs> it's like <laughs> living on the edge with I your know. baby. <laughs>
2: um, well, I can only imagine how stressful it would be to be stuck in traffic while in labor. I think oh it's God. stressful just being stuck in traffic, even when I'm not in labor. So I'm so <laughs> glad that Claudia made it to the hospital in time. Our next listener, Crystal, called in to share her scary experience about an induced labor that went wrong. Oh my so God. let's. Listen to her story.
0: Giving birth to my third child was not at all what I had imagined it to be. You know, a calm, serene, loving thing. On a beautiful Monday morning, I arrived at the hospital at 6 a.m. to be induced because I'd gone past my due date. 24 hours later, I was still not holding my beautiful baby girl. We kept trying with the induction drugs and I just wasn't cooperating. After 33 hours of labor, my doctor walked in the door on Tuesday at 3 o'clock and said, I'm tired, I'm grumpy, and I want to go home. Yeah, like I was having fun. He had decided that he would break my water, go take a nap, and if I had not given birth by 8 o'clock, I'd have a dreaded C-section. The plan was set. He broke my water, wished me good luck, and walked out the door. At 3.05, I had this sudden urge to go to the bathroom. I asked the nurse if I could get up, taking the induction drugs with me through the IV, and she said, Princess, I need to check you first, and then you can. After a few more minutes of cleaning up the mess the doctor had left, she went to check me. As calm as calm could be, she asked my husband if he would be so kind as to walk to the door and open it. Slowly, he walked across the room. As he opened the door, the nurse, you know, the calm, serene one, screamed a blood-curdling scream that she needed assistance now. A watch nurse came running. At 310, my child was born. She was thrown on my chest. I'm sure it was a wonderful moment but it was lost. A button was pushed along the side of the wall and everyone appeared, doctors, nurses. For all I know, everyone in the waiting room was there. The next thing I know, my baby is being taken from my arms. A doctor pressed on my lower abdomen so hard, I swear, His hands, me, the mattress, and the bed were going to end up on a floor below us. In my arm where the induction drugs had been gone, all of a sudden there's blood being pumped there. Now there's blood going in another arm. It seems that my placenta had decided that it liked where it had been. It had been there for nine months. It wasn't coming out alone. It had decided that it wanted to come out with my womb, my uterus and other various parts. I wish I could tell you exactly what happened, but in and out of consciousness, I do remember numbers being screamed, blood pressure, pulse. I know that all of a sudden, one arm was full with blood going in it. Suddenly, the other arm was. It's probably best I don't remember. But in the end, the bleeding was stopped. It took six units of blood, but it was stopped. When it was all said and done, my doctor strolled into the room because he had been taking a nap. Doctors explained what had happened. The nurse was demanding that her name be put on the birth certificate. My child was a perfect abscar of 10 and I was being rolled to recovery. As we left the room, I got to see for the first time what had gone on. I can only describe it as what I picture when I think of the Manson murders. Blood covered the floors. The only thing missing was the word pig on the wall. But in my case, all over the floor, covered in my blood, were footprints. Footprints of heroes that made sure my baby and I were healthy safe and wonderful so yeah it was not calm it was not serene it was real life
3: Ah! that was so scary um but i mean i'm so glad that nurse yes. was like they i mean was thank, on it thank goodness for her oh i mean my God. Also, i have like, you doctor, have, like literal yes. goosebumps right and, now like i love how the doctor comes in there at the
2: end like waking up from his nap like hey what happened? Yeah. It's like, oh my so goodness. this woman essentially basically like bled to death. Yeah. Almost. I mean, she did. Okay. Well, um,
3: well, she was she like. She almost. That was right. the risk.
2: That is so crazy. That's really
3: crazy. I wonder what caused that. I don't know, it sounds awful.
2: Yeah, I mean, it sounds like she didn't even really know. Yeah. And, like, I think sometimes that happens when things go wrong. You know, obviously millions of women give birth Mm -hmm. every year and have no problems or complications whatsoever. And I think sometimes when it's worst case scenario, I think they, you know, you don't even really know. Because what we were talking about, like, people's bodies do crazy things. Pregnancy is, like it's kind of hard to believe that we are actually yeah. like built to go through it. I know. Oh, my gosh. Um, I am so grateful to Crystal. I'm so glad she's okay, and I'm Me grateful too. to her for sharing that crazy story because that was absolutely insane. Um, we are now going to jump on the phone with one of our other listeners. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. We have our next listener, Danielle, on the line now. She went into the clinic for a routine checkup and left with a baby. <laughs> so, Danielle, tell us what exactly happened. Um, I went in for an ultrasound with my husband,
1: and as they finished the ultrasound, I sat up and I said, I think my water broke. And the tech was like, no, that probably didn't happen. It might have been the baby pushing funny. So I stood up, and the water went everywhere. Oh my God. <laughs> so they sent my... <laughs> they sent my husband to go get my stuff and we're going to try and get me to the hospital where I was supposed to deliver. So they sent him there. And, um, from the time my water broke until my son came was 54 minutes and I gave
2: birth birth in the ambulance day. Oh my my goodness! (laughs) Wait, how pregnant (laughs) were you at this point? 33 weeks. I know. How many, how many weeks are you supposed to be?
4: I mean, it's like Uh, 40. 40, (laughs) Okay. Okay. So at this
2: point, you weren't really thinking that you were like ready to have a baby at any second.
1: No, his crib wasn't together yet. We didn't have a hospital bag.
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) It was Um, a little crazy. (laughs) So no, I'm assuming because this happened so fast, you didn't have any kind of pain medication.
1: No, I didn't have time for anything. They, from the moment that I got out of the clinic and to the hospital, I went from a four to a 10 and they couldn't give me anything. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh.
2: So how <laughs> were you planning to receive pain medication? Yes. <laughs> You're like, I sure was. So what did it feel <laughs> like? Can you possibly describe it?
1: I, I all I know is that I kept saying I couldn't do this. I can't remember. I, they, I kept trying to pull myself off the bed by holding onto the bottom of it. Um, it was, the worst pain ever but I can't remember it anymore right you
2: blacked it out
1: yeah (laughs) I just kept saying I can't do this and then they were like
2: oh he's here oh my gosh so did your husband have to because this sounds like such an insane whirlwind I'm sure you know you basically like blacked it out did your husband have to like fill in details of what had happened to you after
1: he missed it they sent him to the hospital. Oh,
2: my gosh. Aww. So you were, he, so, like, drove your car to the hospital, and you were going in an ambulance.
1: Correct. Yep. He was told to go and um, get my bag and meet me at the hospital that we were supposed to be delivering at. And they took me across the street to the emergency room that they were going to take me by ambulance to the hospital I was supposed to go to. And I never made it into the ambulance, even.
2: Oh, my gosh. So it was it was basically at the emergency clinic.
1: Yep, it was in the emergency triage area up by the ambulance bay because they realized that I wasn't going to get in an ambulance. So they just kind of pushed me back into a private area to
2: deliver him. Oh my gosh! And so, uh, what, was there a doctor there who delivered it? It. There was <laughs> not to call it, your baby in it. No,
1: no. <laughs> your baby boy. They, um, <laughs> yes, they got there. He got there right before he came out. So no doctor was there until like seconds before he was delivered.
2: So who was in the meantime, who was with you? Like a nurse or EMT type people? I had three nurses that were
1: trying to get me ready for the ambulance. So they were trying to start an IV and like keep me calm. And I had those three nurses with me the whole time.
2: That's amazing. And you said that you were trying to like basically get off the bed. So it seemed like there was a certain part of your brain that was just like, no, this can't happen now. Like it's not the right time. Do you remember any other thoughts in terms of like, You know, like, I'm sure the fact that your husband wasn't being there and, you know, I'm sure part of your plan was that he would be. Were there other things that you were going that were going through your mind that you remember at all that were sort of like, this isn't what I wanted? (laughs) Well, it was basically that. And then just
1: worried about him being early, what was going to happen there, trying to figure out if they could stop it. Um, I was just mainly worried about him and Mm -hmm. what was going to happen
2: after he was born. And so was this considered technically a premature birth? It was a premature birth, yes. And so how was how your baby after the birth, and how is he now?
1: He After the birth, he went to Children's. Um, he was there for about 28 days, um, but now he has no problems. He's... Um, eight months old, he wears
2: uh, 12 month clothing, he's a big boy, so they don't even measure him as a preemie anymore. Oh my gosh, so. he's made, he made up for last time. Yes, he did.
1: Um, <laughs> he loves to eat and play. Oh, I
2: love that. Um, but I can't actually imagine after having this like whirlwind birth experience that's nothing like you expected, not at the place you expected, not at the doctor you expected, not at the time you expected, and then having your baby spend 28 days in the hospital. What was that like as a new mom? Um, It was
1: crazy. Being a first-time mom and having that be my first experience, um, it was a very fast learning curve on how to take care of him and how to be there in the NICU and just the motherly instincts just instantly clicked in and it was just a whirlwind.
2: (laughs) And, you know, one thing, the reason we're talking about all this on the podcast today, this whole episode about labor stories is because it does kind of feel like everyone has one. Do you feel like since you, you know, have your own like sort of um, battle scars from the experience, have you since this happened to you, do you feel like you encounter a lot of other women that have a similar experience or have their own crazy story to tell?
1: Um, It seems like a lot of women have their own crazy stories. Um, It seems like it never goes exactly to plan. Um, There's always some kind of weird detour or something that happens. Not Uh necessarily the same as mine, but I definitely have heard other women crazy things that happen in their birth.
2: Yeah, it seems like babies just do whatever they want. (laughs) Yeah, it's like my mom who has six
3: children. Um, who obviously is an expert at this point would always tell me that like both times she was just like honestly the doctor can say whatever he wants but that baby is going to come when that baby wants to come they make the rules
2: (laughs) they make the rules yeah Yeah. it's the baby's world the rest of us just live in it yeah yeah Well, they definitely have their own agenda (laughs) for sure well Danielle thank you so much it was thank you for sharing your experience with us and I'm so glad that everything despite the fact that it went totally not according to plan ended up working out just fine for you yeah Yes, thank you. Thanks so much. Bye, girl. See Bye. Bye. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. Now we're on to a bit of a subject change in terms of the topic of labor stories. So if you can orgasm while making a baby, then of course we are going to investigate if you can orgasm while delivering a baby. Our next guest directed the award-winning documentary Orgasmic Birth, The Best Kept Secret. She's also an author, doula trainer, and creator of the revolutionary new online childbirth class pain to power childbirth. Welcome, Deborah. Hi, Debra.
4: Hello. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you.
2: Yes. Thank you for joining us. We've been actually telling like horror stories about births. So I feel (laughs) like this is an amazing change of subject. And, you know, we've heard from some women that have really dramatic and even painful births. And usually TV and films portray childbirth as being painful and stressful.
4: Um, But you say that it doesn't have to be that way. That's correct, and I actually get really upset that the media leads us to so much fear and pain because there is a mind-body connection, and if all we think about is pain and fear, we end up with that. But there's a whole other model, and science is even really backing it, that we can do many things that can move pain
2: to pleasure. So it's actually possible to have an orgasm while giving birth.
4: It is. Now, I do have to say this. I don't want anyone to add this to their birth plan because I don't want women to have one more thing we have to achieve. Having a safe and healthy birth is definitely the goal. But I also think that women need to know that under the right conditions, a lot of people actually feel pleasure or a smaller percentage have what we call a birthgasm, all of which we call orgasmic birth, just like any kind of heightened physical or emotional experience can be orgasmic, and the biggest one would be the birthgasm. The birthgasm.
2: So you're saying that it's not necessarily, it sounds like you're saying that this isn't necessarily something that women should try to achieve, since there's already a lot of things going through the woman's mind when she's delivering, but that this is something that is possible and that, in your opinion, is
4: really important for women to know is out there. Yes, definitely, because there are a lot of women that are going to have a birthgasm, whether they were hoping for it or not. And some women get incredibly shamed that all they hear is pain, and then they have this incredible pleasure. And I have a lot of women that didn't even tell partners, husbands, and certainly didn't tap their doctor on the shoulder to say, guess what? So that's why it's the best kept secret. But I talk to lots of women that have other states of pleasure, of ecstasy, of bliss, and they still describe birth not as painful. And that doesn't mean that they might not have moments that might have been pain at times, but they definitely have intense times of pleasure. So I like to think about it more on a scale, and if you're blessed enough to have the birthgasm, that's an extra gift. But I think all women deserve to know that you could still have a birth that's filled with joy, ecstasy, bliss. And we need to take a little bit of a new look at birth to see what's possible. And it's not just pain. And so
2: I think everything you're saying is blowing my mind because I'm definitely of the camp that only thought it could be painful and terrible, if I'm being (laughs) completely honest. You know, you say it's the best kept secret. How did you discover this and why did you decide to make a career out of it?
4: Well, I have to say that early on when I was doing my own research for my own birth many years ago, I talked with a lot of people that talked about birth with joy, with pleasure, that it was the most incredible experience of their life. And some of this came from within my own family. And I started to realize that there was a correlation. The people that talked about birth as joyful and pleasurable tended to be moving in labor, tended not to have fear. They never let anybody put them down, literally or figuratively, in birth. And I got involved. After my own birth was quite joyful and pleasurable, not an actual birthgasm, but still, I wouldn't call it pain. And I stayed moving. I took more control. So I started becoming an educator and a doula and really started hearing more and more stories. And I realized that these were the best kept secrets that our current model of maternity care literally strips women of their identity, hospital gowns, puts us down into beds. You're not sick. It's a time you're powerful. And just a quick analogy for those listening, if you've ever put on tight jeans, imagine trying to put them on laying down on a bed and just slightly moving. You'd never get them on. We wiggle and move and twist and pull our jeans up or pull a ring over our fat knuckle sometimes if it's swollen by jiggling it. And so childbirth needs that kind of movement too to not only help the baby to come quicker and easier, but it actually provides comfort, dancing, singing. There's a lot we can do. Um, Ariel,
2: since you are the other person on the phone that's actually had a baby, is any of this, like, I saw you, like, nodding your head a little bit. Is this, like, blowing your mind? Yes, it is. But I have heard this from
3: even, you know, from my family, who's actually from Brazil, um, who said Ah. that the way that we give birth in the United States... Um, causes more pain because apparently you shouldn't be lying on your back to give birth or like during contractions you're supposed to be moving around and like I mean I don't know I'm not a doctor or a doula even but um, I always found that interesting because like I with my first experience I was in so much pain and I remember feeling the urge to like move around and anytime I moved it would help ease the pain and the doctors have you strapped and all this stuff and you're like strapped down to a bed and it's really difficult to move. And I think therefore you're just thinking about pain the entire time. That's
2: really interesting. It's like what your sort of natural urge to sort of like wiggle around was a little bit subdued by the way they have you like strapped in.
3: Because in my second pregnancy, when I was having those contractions and not realizing I was actually in labor, um, I didn't, I was saying, you know, I, I wasn't in as much pain, but that's because I kept
4: moving around. Um, so right, I don't know if that that's has something to do with it. Interesting. So oh, da- we also say the energy that gets the baby in gets the baby out. So the right place to give birth is the right place to make love. And birth is an extension of our sexuality. And can you imagine like making love if everybody just stays still? Oh, I like, sure can. There would not <laughs> <laughs> be a whole lot of pleasure in some of that, like. There's movement and the same hormones, the same circumstances. So dimming light, smells, touch, there's so much more that we could bring to birth that would make it not only more comfortable and pleasurable, but science is showing safer too. Our current practices really are not getting the best outcomes for mothers, babies, partners, families. And
2: Deborah, would you, I think that's so interesting. You know, I love what you just said about like the way a baby starts is the way it should come out. Would you go as far or, you know, do you work with people or have you heard stories about people that are using sex toys or even like really trying to sort of
4: make the environment sexier? Oh, definitely. And it's what I teach in my online class is really tapping into your sexual energy and what are the things that turn you on in life, how do you get more pleasure just every day, and let's bring those things to birth. And for people that are really comfortable with sex toys, yes, I mean, pain and pleasure travel on the same pathway. And women that are stimulating themselves um, in all kinds of ways are definitely running more oxytocin, the hormone of love that's necessary for birth, but it also is a huge pain reliever. So I definitely say to people, bring all those things that turn you on and hope you don't mind me saying, but when we're turned on, our vaginas get wet and they open up to two inches more. Well, if you're trying to get a baby out, doesn't it make sense? Can it be wet and let that baby slide and let our bodies be literally opening with ease? How many of you think of the current way women give birth on their back with people yelling four-letter words at them? You know, our bodies aren't opening. They're closing down in that environment. Yeah, total the-
2: lady boner killer.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. We're cutting, sucking, and pulling babies out because we're not really saying, our goal is not to say to women, what would make birth easier? How could I help you to have a gentler, easier, more comfortable, and pleasurable birth? Instead, it's about a system that's controlling everything at every moment. And not that we don't have benefits. Cesareans can be life-giving. I think technology has a place. But we're greatly overusing technology to the detriment of people's experiences.
2: That's really interesting. Um, And what about the role that your partner can play in an orgasmic birth? You know, of course, obviously, you know, at Cosmo, we're very (laughs) pro-pleasuring yourself, but we also talk a lot about sex in terms of a partner.
4: Yes, and I think it always depends on, you know, how you feel in relationship to your partner. Not everybody um, feels as safe with their partner. But if you do, if you're in a safe, loving relationship, I say to partners all the time, love her through labor. You know, you know what brings her pleasure and please do it, whether it's kissing or touching, um, all those things, stroking, words, eye to eye. There are so many simple ways to bring our love and connection And to stimulate a woman to get juicy and open.
2: And some people, I feel like, might be listening to this right now and saying, like, I would be, like, sort of like, I'm drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. It sounds really great. Like, Deborah's really selling it. But, like, maybe I would feel too embarrassed to try and achieve this. What would you say to somebody that felt like, I'm intrigued by this, but I don't know that it's for me or I'm too embarrassed?
4: Well, from an embarrassment level, I would say it's your body, it's your birth, it's your baby, and you deserve to do this in a way that feels right to you. So if our current system isn't feeling right, then find the right place to do it. There's growing um, people that are giving birth at home. There are birth centers that are blossoming throughout the U.S. and the world. There are many other locations then hospitals. And there are hospitals that vary place to place. And there are some hospitals that are finally realizing that creating privacy, that creating sacred space, that allowing um, people to tap into this energy is actually safer for mother and baby and are starting to create newer birthing environments. So I would say to everyone listening, don't say You can't do it in your current system. Find where you can do it or advocate that our hospitals and birth environments change. Because I think it's your right to experience this day with pleasure. And it's a day you'll never forget. So if you give it up because you feel intimidated by the system, if you let someone else dictate or take your power, you're going to live with that forever.
2: Um, Deborah, this has been really, really interesting. Um, thank you so much for sharing your experience. And last question before I let you go, and I know you said before we were recording that you're at the beach, and so I can only assume on a fabulous vacation, we can kind of hear the wind in the background a little bit. But what kind of reaction do you generally get when you first tell
4: someone about an orgasmic birth? Next, uh, there are always those people that are like, wow, you know, like I had something like that, and no one ever you know, talked about it. So I never shared that I thought birth was incredible and pleasurable or I had a birthgasm. And then I have the other group of people that all they knew was pain. So they can't even imagine that there could be this opportunity. And just like we've talked about, it's helping them to re-see that if you create an environment that only gives you pain, you're going to have pain, but you can create this other environment. And I find when people really give me the chance, whether it's to spend a day at a workshop or in a class with me, that most people come along and realize that we've got good science, good reasons. This is not just, you know, it sounds like fun. This is really possible. So I think that people that can open their mind and begin to do their homework and explore this will come around to see that we've been duped not to believe it. And I hope you're joining me in not keeping it the best kept secret anymore. Absolutely. I'm so glad to be like blowing the lid off of this. I've
2: also decided that when I have kids someday, I'm going to have an orgasmic birth, a birth chasm. <laughs> I made that decision right now. So thank you but, Deborah, for opening my eyes. And Debra, where is the best place for people who are really interested in learning more about what you do to find you?
4: Well, Probably the easiest to remember is orgasmicbirth.com where they can see the <laughs> film and the book. But from there, they can click over to Pain to Power Childbirth. So if you really want me to guide you on how to create this experience for yourself, it would be paintopowerchildbirth.com. But the two sites are linked.
2: Great. Thank you so much, Deborah. Deborah, it was great to
4: talk to you. Thank you so much. And I wish you lots of pleasure every day. But certainly when you're ready to give birth. Ooh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
2: That just completely 150 million percent blew my mind, but also made me feel happy and joyful. Yeah, no, that was amazing. You're like I'm I mean,
3: like I'm just like two. Ba- I wish I'd I'd known this two babies ago. Right.
2: Well, maybe for the third. Oh my gosh! <laughs> like, if that ever that, happens, if that ever happens. Well, if that happens, I wish you, Ariel, lots of birth <laughs> Um, But thank you so much for sharing your story, and you know, to all of our listeners who shared their stories with us today. And you know, Deborah was really what she was saying about this being a best kept se- secret really resonated with me. Not only because I didn't know very much about orgasmic birth and birth just like love to say that but because I think she whether or not you sort of buy into the entire birth gasm, I think she made a lot of points in terms of like there is a lot of sort of shame mm-hmm. and like a lot of rules around birth in this country and you kind yeah. of touched on that too so I think it's good for us here at the Cosmopolitan.com podcast just to like totally pat myself on the back but no I'm kidding but I think for women <laughs> in general like it's good to share these stories and talk about these yeah. experiences um, and you know even someone like um, our reader earlier who talked about her experience of almost bleeding to death mm-hmm. and, you know, feeling like she was in a situation with a doctor that was very dismissive. You know, I think the more women share these stories, the more it helps us all like advocate for ourselves and the kind of birth chasms that we deserve. Yes. Agreed. Very well said. <laughs> <laughs> and Ariel, where is the best place for um, people to follow you on social media? You can
3: follow me everywhere at Ariel Naji. Um, that's NAGI Ariel just like the Disney Princess not to <laughs> not to brag but no big
2: deal. <laughs> um, and as always, Dear listeners, you can follow me everywhere at Elisa Benson, E-L-I-S-A-B-E-N-S-O-N. Um, and thank you guys so, 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 so much for listening to the Cosmopolitan.com Happy Hour podcast. I love, love, love doing this for you every week. And if you love it just as much, please subscribe and share it and like it and rate it and leave comments and tweet at me and I'll write you back and all those great, amazing things. Thank you guys so much. I'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.